today. We are in Isaiah chapter 11 on this third Sunday of Advent, and um, Pastor Tim is going to read the text for us this morning. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people, those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt, in southern Egypt, Ethiopia, and Elam. And Babylonia, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. Thank you, Tim. May God bless the reading of God's word, and would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you bring this text to life for us? in our lives and in our hearts. May we be a people who worship you. May we be a people during this season of Advent who hope for Christ. And I pray right now, Lord, um, however my words may come out of my mouth, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may have seen, perhaps, um, that a couple of years ago, PETA, the organization, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, put out a list of alternative proverbs that can be used in place of ones that reference violence or cruelty to animals. And however it is that someone might feel about PETA, I find these alternatives rather whimsical and clever, if I'm being honest. Let me give a couple examples. My guess is you know the proverb, don't beat a dead horse. 
a disturbing image, it seems. So here is the suggested alternative. Don't feed a fed horse. Excellent. This one comes to us just in time for the holidays. No? Oh, no, no, no. I couldn't possibly eat a third piece of pie. As they say, don't feed a fed horse. (laughs) Another example is a twist on the proverb, take the bull by the horns. Instead, it is suggested that one could say, take the flower by the thorns. Okay, but here's my favorite one. Are you ready? It's a spin on the old saying, kill two birds with one stone. The suggestion is this, feed two birds with one scone. Fantastic. Clever. Uh, But by the way, if you want to actually treat birds ethically, don't feed them scones. Feed them bird seeds. So they missed on that one. Now, I can appreciate just about any exercise that plays with language and plays with words. I mean, 90% of dad jokes are just that. But the reality is that sometimes violent idioms and, and sayings that are violent describe our world rather well. Sometimes families do fight, like cats and dogs. So do nations. Work can be dog-eat-dog, and so can school. The daily news makes it clear that our world is indeed red in tooth and claw. Knowing this about our world, knowing this about ourselves, we come to Isaiah's amazing vision about animals, often referred to as the peaceable kingdom. This vision looks forward to a day when God's Messiah rules in full power. A time when God will make all things right in the world, heal all that is wounded and all that is broken. This vision is a stunning reminder that while the world we live in can be cruel and careless. God is not. God holds all things close to the heart, whether it be the safety of toddlers or the pen of a billy goat. And while I think that the good uh, linguists at PETA did a respectable job, worked with words in a very clever way, they have nothing on Isaiah. The way that Isaiah unfolds this vision, the promise from God, is inspiring. I just want to point out a few things. So much could be said here. Take, for example, the way that Isaiah describes the wolf living with the lamb. I've pointed this out before, but it bears repeating. We know what a wolf is. And we know what a lamb is. And we know that whenever a wolf encounters a lamb, things don't go very well for the lamb. We have fairy tales and fables that tell us as much. But the word that Isaiah uses that gets translated to live together, 
that word is a stroke of genius. There are a few different words in Hebrew that Isaiah could have used to describe the relationship between the wolf and the lamb in this vision. For example, he could have used the word yeshav. It occurs about a thousand times in the Old Testament. Could have used the word chayah. occurs about 400 times in the Old Testament. You might know the word lechayim from uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof to life. Chayah, to live. But the word that Isaiah does use is the word gur. It occurs about a hundred times in the Old Testament. Gur means to sojourn in a land that is not your own. Gur means to live in a land as a foreigner. Gur means that you reside in a place where you are dependent on the generosity, the hospitality, the goodness, and the grace of the people who occupy the land of your visit. You are dependent on their goodness and their kindness. Gur is the word that is used to describe what Sarah and Abraham did in Canaan. Gur is used to describe what Moses, how he lived in Midian. Gur is the word used to describe Ruth in Bethlehem. Gur is what the children of Israel did in Egypt for 400 years. And Gur, uh, though not the same word, but the same concept, is what Mary and Joseph did with their newborn baby, fleeing to Egypt when that tyrant Herod unleashed his rage on his people. What Isaiah says here, is that it is the wolf who is sojourning in the land of the sheep. Think about that. The sheep are in power. Once the sheep was at the mercy of the wolf, but now the wolf is at the mercy of the sheep, dependent on the hospitality and the good graces of the sheep. The wolf is living in sheep country, But now the wolf is vulnerable. The wolf is the one seeking justice at the city gates. The Hebrew in Isaiah 11, 6 could read, The wolf shall be a welcomed stranger by sheep. What an image. (laughs) With the coming of Messiah, God is going to flip the script of the world we live in. God will upend the power structures. God will take every hurtful power and principality of injustice, the entire system, God is going to flip it upside down. And he will establish peace and fairness and goodness and righteousness, justice. Thus says the prophets, and so, thus says the Lord. This is the hope of Messiah. When Mary learned she would, she would carry Messiah in her womb, when she learned she would birth the Christ, Luke tells us that she sang a song. 
you know her song? We call it the Magnificat, and it is magnificent. Here's just a little bit of what she sings. The Lord's mighty arm has done tremendous things. This is Luke chapter 1, verse, starting in verse uh, 51. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Messiah has come and God has flipped the script. Jesus said that the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus said that it is the meek that shall inherit the earth. Jesus said that whatever has been done to the least has been done to him. And he gives examples of what he means. Whenever a hungry person is fed, whenever a thirsty person is given water, whenever a stranger is welcomed in, you know, someone on a gur, whenever a naked person is given clothing, whenever a sick person is taken care of, whenever someone in prison is visited, then Christ has been served. Can we accept this as good news? That this is the good news? That Jesus has arrived. Jesus is king. Jesus forgives our sins. And this is what his reign looks like. This vision of Isaiah is, man, it just... I don't know what word you'd use to describe it. I, I really struggled with what words to describe this vision. Inspiring, incredible, hard to believe, too good to be true. Let me highlight just one more way that this vision is all of these words for me. <clears throat> In this vision, did you catch what it is, who it is, that stands between, that gets between predator and prey. Okay, we got a lamb and a wolf. We got a baby goat and a leopard. We got a baby calf and a lion. And in the middle, a child. I can hear all the moms right now. Mm-mm, not my baby. <laughs> it sounds foolish to put a child between predator and prey. I mean, for something like that, we need a lion tamer, a wolf whisperer, right? Isaiah says, no, not in the fullness of Messiah's kingdom. In the fullness of Messiah's kingdom, it's a child. A child will lead them. This picture speaks not only to the powerful ways that violence and danger have been completely squelched, but it also speaks to what might be called the foolishness of God. 
foolishness. The foolish ways that God uses to bring about peace and reconciliation. The wisdom of God often seems so foolish to us. I mean, why not just get rid of the wolves? Have the violent animals euthanized? Or build a a big old fence or a wall between the sheep and the cattle and the predator so that, you know, they can't get in there. Keep them safe that way. But God doesn't bring peace this way. God brings peace through transformation. These predators are changed. Redemption. Reconciliation. For anyone who would come underneath the authority of Messiah, all are welcome, meek and murderous alike. To be transformed, to walk under the banner of Messiah, a little child shall lead them. And how is all of this possible? Well, we're in the full reign of God's Messiah, the good and the upright king. The Messiah is the one who wears righteousness and truth like a belt. God's Messiah brings justice to the poor. And those who are exploited by the powers of the world, how did Isaiah say it? With a word. Equity. What's fair and good and right. The kingdom where children make sure that young goats are safe in the presence of lions is the result of the one on whom the Spirit rests. The Spirit of wisdom and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The peaceable kingdom is the result of the reign of God's Messiah. How did Paul put it? Uh, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. The one whose words shake the earth with justice and equity in whose breath will put an end to wickedness. Sometime this week, I don't know, I I was going to say close your eyes and read the text, but that would be kind of hard to do, wouldn't it? (laughs) Uh, Ponder this passage. In the words of Psalm 1, meditate on it. The Spirit will illuminate it for you. What a vision. One day, huh? One day. How about now? What about now? Because right now the world is red in tooth and claw. Right now cats and dogs are fighting well like cats and dogs. We live in a world where violence is common and oftentimes violence is justified by people. What do we do? I have a friend uh, who reads fiction in a very unorthodox way. He gets a book, a story. He begins by reading the last five to ten pages and then goes and uh, starts at the beginning. It's different. When my son Jack was three, four years old, a year or two ago, when we would watch a movie and the bad guy would show up or things got tense, Jack would turn to me or his mom and say, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What happens? And we would tell him if we knew. Sometimes when I, uh, uh, not just sometimes, I've gotten into this habit. I don't know what this says about me, but I'll share it with you nonetheless. I record 
Minnesota Vikings games. When the game's over, I look and see what the score was. If they lost, I say to myself, mm, I just saved three hours of agony. And if they won, I get a few hours of fun. Mental health comes in many forms. Why do we do this? Why do we do things like this? I think maybe it's because when we know the future, it impacts our present and how we act now. When we know what is to come, we can live with a different freedom today. When we know what will be, we can walk with courage and confidence into the places where God is leading us and calling us. It's like raising children. We love them, we nurture them, we teach them, knowing full well they ain't going to stay children. They're going to be adults. And so in, all, in, in reality, we aren't raising children. We're raising adults. This incredible future vision from Isaiah had a present effect on the people who lived 800 years before Jesus was born. Truth. And it can have a present effect on us today as well. What were to happen if we were to live now in the freedom of these promises that Isaiah gives to us? in accord with its pictures of God's future kingdom, of Jesus in full charge. Because in Isaiah 11, God is showing us a world of peace where rulers and people care for one another in, in these animals, right? And the poor and the vulnerable and creation and the creatures. What if we move towards that world even today? Yes, I know, our world remains compromised. It does. It's dangerous, and we have to deal with that in ways that are appropriate. But to the degree that, the God, that God's Spirit gives us courage, we can participate now in the ways that God ushers this future into our present. And when we walk in courage, though the world still be red in tooth and claw, we will see it being transformed by Jesus into this creation, this vision that Isaiah is giving to us, where all are fed and all are loved. In other words, if the vision of God's kingdom is peace, let us be people of peace, working for peace, not violence. If God's vision is a vision of reconciliation, then let us work towards reconciliation, not division. And if the vision here is one of a king who establishes justice and truth with a word from his mouth. Then let us be a people who speak up as well for truth and for justice. The hope, the good news, is that Jesus, our Messiah, invites us to walk under his banner, not someday, 
Not someday. The truth is Jesus frees us to live under his banner today by the power of his Spirit. And so on this third Sunday of Advent 2020, may our, may our prayer be um, being a people of peace, a people of hope, a people of Jesus. Would you pray with me? I just want to pray the same prayer, Lord, that your spirit would be at work in us. There's so many things you, you um, invite us to be a part of in your work, whether it be words we speak, uh, technologies to get, you know, all of us on, on screens so that we can watch and it's just imperfection so often. But by your Spirit, we are given new life, transformed. And I pray, Lord, for whoever it is that's listening that feels far away from Jesus. That they would know Jesus would leave behind the 99 to seek and find the one who's kind of wandered off. And maybe that's you. And so I pray for your courage that we would live as people and ambassadors of Jesus. I lift all these things up in his name.